Hey, I'm back. Regularly scheduled programming for the Outside Podcast with the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find all of your fine Vox Media podcast related to the Philadelphia 76ers. Strange week for the Sixers, and we're going to talk about some of the highs and the lows and some interesting subjects, some topical subjects, stuff that is on everybody's minds. And I love to have Dave Early in on these types of podcasts because there's always the great discourse that he and I have between talking about the Sixers and how they relate to the remain the rest of the Eastern Conference and the NBA is large. So yeah, I got Dave on the line and uh, yeah, Dave, how you doing? I'm all right, man. Thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, before I jump into Sixers talk, we were talking off pod a little bit. And uh, as some of you know, all of you know, uh, Dave also does double duty for the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, yeah, what's the what's the sitch up there? Uh, I It just came down that uh, Ben Simmons has been ruled out completely for the season and possibly, well, not possibly, definitely the play in. Uh, any reaction to that right off rip? If you've been following it closely, it's not a surprise. No. Uh, Woj actually pushed the timeline back a little bit, saying like it's really not realistic to expect him back for the end of the regular season or the play-in because that's like nine days away now. Um, Nets have a slightly more rigorous and most teams, you know, return to play protocol where they like you to get in three high intensity workouts. And I think they space them apart by a day or two just to, you know, see if you've had any swelling or whatever. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. It took Kevin Durant a week to clear that when he was returning from his MCL sprain. Uh, assistant coach Jock Vaughn basically said, we wanted to be absolutely sure that he felt comfortable when he returned to play. And that's why we did it that way. So if you wanted to bake in some of the same for Ben Simmons and maybe even a little more because Durant got her back in mid-Jan, Ben has been out since June. Yeah. So if you wanted to be extra sure, uh, I have heard Steve Nash say things like, you are not comfortable on the court for the same amount of time sometimes as you were off the court. And that could be like 11 months. So when will Ben Simmons be on the court and feel comfortable? Probably not this season at all which makes me think we won't see him. It, obviously, if the Nets play themselves alive to the conference finals, they might feel a little bit more like rolling the dice there because you need a high ceiling to win the finals, but definitely doesn't feel like we're going to see him at any point in the season and then makes you wonder if they would have executed that trade. Um, I, so that that's the, that's the rub. Like, would the Nets have executed that trade? I don't know it depends on how sick well was it more the nets were sick of harden or was it more vice versa harden was really kind of tired of the nonsense up there because i feel like it was more harden was tired of the nonsense yeah i think like if you were to use a relationship analogy when you're dating someone who makes it pretty clear they don't want to be dating you eventually you want something new also and i think that's how it was kind of reported between harden and durant um jake fisher had a line like there was a cold war in that locker room eventually durant was like come on man this guy isn't bringing bleep so wow um, but you know obviously you know the team would highlight that the ben flare-up of his back issue which goes back to 2020 as we know well sixers fans um it happened after the trade 
the MRI was clean. These things happen. It's a setback. But I was just asking with hindsight, if you knew he wasn't going to play the entire season, would you have done that deal? Or do you just make the push with James Harden? Because if James Harden was your third best player, you're probably not the 10th seed right now. A good chance you could have hung in there for the sixth seed. You wouldn't be in such dire straits facing any single game elimination matches. And now Kyrie's full time. Let's let's uh, let's pivot to uh, another team that is maybe quote unquote limping into the playoffs. Our Philadelphia 76ers. Is that kind of the sense that you're feeling after this last week of games? Because it's as I said off the top, it's it was a weird week. They they lose to the Suns and the Bucks, which fine, okay. But then they come back and they lose to Detroit. I'm like, all right, what is happening right now? We weren't we supposed to have like one of the easiest schedules remaining? Like that's I, I don't I don't like how this feels going into the playoff run here. There's not much to like. Um the first, second, third, and fourth most important thing is that James Harden doesn't look healthy. Yeah. And so let me see, one, two, three, four. Uh, in three of his last five games, he was just flat out shooting poorly. Right. And so you start when you start to see him grabbing at the hamstring in Phoenix, you start to wonder is are they gonna give him like two weeks off before the playoffs? That that was my first question in my mind. Um but they went the other way, and I guess they have this guy on staff, VP of Athletic Care, Simon Rice, whose approach to hamstrings is you plow, you push, and that's why he's been doing some sprints um, before games or after games up the stairs, and they're going to try to uh, make this work. But it doesn't look like it's currently working from a championship perspective, does it? And I, I see what you mean about Harden not exactly playing up to his like all-star caliber. like Even – the Charlotte game where the Sixers blew the doors off the Hornets by 30 Harden only had like 12 points and 13 assists. Like that's, uh, that's not what you would have expected when you saw the final box score. Right. Yeah. You know, there was this dynamic. Do we want him to play the point and, and like lead the league in assists going back to his beginning of the year in Brooklyn uh, and the way Steve Nash handled it was we want you to be aggressive and get in the paint. We don't care if you're taking shots or kicking it out, but we want you to get into the paint. Right. Doc has been a little bit more um, clear. I think he's waffled recently. You know, one game he said, we don't want that point guard. We want you to be James and be a scorer the way you've been most comfortable in your career being a scorer. But then after another game, he basically said like, you know, they asked him about the bench minutes struggling, and he was saying, well, it wasn't really the bench shooting. I thought the bench played all right. It was mostly James shooting. Right. You got, you got the sense there that he wanted more ball movement because he talked about the ball not moving. So I thought he waffled from what he had said the night prior about Harden being a scorer and then wanted him to be more of a playmaker. Harden responds with one of his best games as a playmaker to date and starts distributing the ball really, really well in the last couple games. Um so maybe there's some identity, what do we want stuff going on, but I don't think it matters. I think if he is playing with the lack of burst that he has right now, or he can't finish at the rim, it, it doesn't matter what you're asking him to do. It's not going to be good enough to get through four rounds. The Sixers have Indiana tomorrow and then Toronto on Thursday, Indiana again on Saturday, and then Detroit on Sunday. 
with what you're saying about Harden, would you sit him against, I don't know, maybe two out of four of these last two games just to get everything ready and set? Like the last two games, like the Indiana and the Detroit game, I would maybe think about sitting him just so he's ready for round one against whoever that might be. Yeah. So he, you remember he had two weeks off with COVID uh, in December when Mm -hmm. he played on Christmas day, he looked like very, very fresh. Then the trade happens and the Sixers rest him because apparently he wasn't faking the hamstring issue. Um, He rest four games and he had two weeks off and he looked awesome in the Sixers first four games. Right. So yeah, it's possible that giving him another couple weeks, you know, while we wait for the rest of the regular season and the play in to happen, that he could get back to that point. I would be tempted to do that if medical and training staff said, Hey, let's, let's pick up that low hanging fruit. Let's get James as healthy as possible. Even if it costs us the fourth seed, which I can't look you in the face and tell you that that's much worse or much better than another seed at this point. Now it's going to be important in terms of like the standings, because like you said, the Sixers are in the four hole right now, two and a half games out of first, but Boston, Milwaukee, and the Sixers, two, three, and four. Sixers are half a game out of the two seed right now. And this speaks to, like, do we sit Harden or do we just settle with the seedings? The Bulls are five and a half. The Bulls are three games out of the four seed. Uh, what the, the matchup, four, five, Sixers, Bulls, is that the best kind of, like, tune-up? "Quote unquote" in a first round matchup, do you think, or would you prefer the Sixers just go for it and say, "Okay, you know what? Let's just get the two seed and we'll take Cleveland in round one." The two seed is such a prize the way it's shaping up because the Nets are now the tenth seed, which means they can't get the seven seed right to finish this way. So, if you got the two seed, you could host potentially at least two rounds, maybe three, and avoid Brooklyn in round one. That's the best slot in the East right now. So I get why they would want to push it, but I just feel like their ceiling is capped. If Harden is not going to be right. Um, Right. So it's tough. It's not an easy answer. I guess if, if the medical and training staff says he's better off not resting anyway, because we want to push with these hamstring issues, Mm -hmm. then you just say, all right, let's just go for the two seed. Um, From a, from a bracket totality standpoint, what do you see is like the easier path here? Like if the Sixers are like the four seed and they have to compete with just Miami in that one bracket, or is it easier or I guess (laughs) more higher ceiling if they're in that two slot, but they have to maybe contend with Milwaukee in round two. The two slot is clearly better. The only, re- the only way that I would start to prefer that four is if you told me Harden rested and now he's more fresh. Okay. But if you got that two seed in Dodge, Brooklyn, um, then you're looking to host the second round, which could very well be Milwaukee. In this scenario, it likely is Milwaukee because they would get the three. Right. Um, or the Celtics would get the three. And either way, you would probably be favored in that series. I would like, I would like the Sixers' chances hosting that series. Um, if you're on the road in Milwaukee for round two, that's that's a different story at that point. If you were to lose, few would be surprised, and we wouldn't even call it a major disappointment losing to the reigning champs. Thursday's game is going to be 
incredibly, incredibly important because, like you said, the Sixers played the Pacers on Thursday, but then you also have the Bucks going up against the Celtics that day. So that may well do a lot to finalize some of these decisions as far as, like, are we sitting Harden or are we just going to have him play through it? I, I think Thursday is going to tell a lot once that smoke clears. You know what it's also going to do? Prepare yourself to see the Harden and four firsts for Halliburton who says no tweets during that game. <laughs> uh, we, we wanted Halliburton so badly. I still, I, there's a still, there's still a small section of us that really did, but eh, it's, it's fine. Um, now going into this playoff run, there's, there's a couple of concerns. The starters inconsistency, the ones not named Joel Embiid, that that's a big one. Uh, if there's one person and we talked about Harden, but let's not forget that Tobias kind of needs to get his things together too. He looked pretty, he looked darn good against Cleveland. So like, that's a plus, but you're starting to see Maxi kind of trail off a little bit. Yeah, has has Maxi hit some sort of secondary sophomore wall here? Yeah, I, that's what I'm thinking because against the against the Cavs, he he looked okay. Like he had a, he had 11 points and three assists in 29 minutes, but like he's not looked nearly as effective or flashy or you know dynamic. And I don't know what that is. He had 19 against Charlotte, but it, it just looks different. It just feels different watching him the last week or so. Which is funny because he, we, you sort of expect him to play closer to this um, four-game slide in the next game. If I told you Joel Embiid was out, you would think, okay, he's going to get back on track. He's going to have 25 minimum. Right. And, and because that's what he does. He's played his best games with Embiid out of the lineup, and the, he absolutely knows this team needs you to win tonight. He did it against the Heat, did it against the Grizzlies. So, you know, I asked myself, why not? give a hardcore stagger with Joel Embiid's minutes and insist that he, uh, you know, look for his shot aggressively because I feel like that's, you know, the quickest and easiest way to get him back on track. And I I talked about this on the the podcast last week, and I I feel like there needs to be some like taking turns with the, with the inbounding and the way that like the pace and the offense gets going. Like sometimes there has to be like, Okay, Tyrese, take the ball, push. If there's something there, get into the lane and, you know, do your thing. But if it's not there, kick it back to James and then just reset the offense from there. I I feel like they're relying a little bit too much on that slow James Harden walk up to half court. Yeah, uh, Maxi and Tobias Harris neither command tremendous gravity. And so – right. As good as the starting unit has been, it just in theory, it makes you wonder how they would look with like a Rockets style offense. If you could just put like, you know, two Robert Covingtons there instead, what that would open up, what that would open up for Embiid and Harden to have so much room to work with. Um, And so that's, you know, that'll be some offseason questions for this team. The bench. This is this is a topic that is discussed. I feel like ad nauseum at this point. The bench has probably been spelled with a G rather uh, than a. Oh my god! 
I, I feel like this has been a problem since I started writing for Liberty Ballers. And this was back in like 2015. This has been a problem. Um, not having a not having a consistent yeah, the, the ten the ten win team didn't have the best bench. Uh, well, you know the the ten win team <laughs> didn't have the best much of anything at that point. Um, but once again, I co- we come back to it all the time. It's like the inconsistent bench is going to come back and bite this team in the playoffs so hard, and I'm just going to have to sit there and live with it for another summer. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Newbeck was writing. Um, you know, the, the thing that Doc has done recently is pair Harden and Embiid's minutes. And he was finding a little bit of rhythm, at least in that Hornets game, playing Maxi and Harris together on those in those bench units. And so Newbeck was questioning why um, they went away from that against Cleveland in a big game since it had worked so well the night the day prior on a back right. back. Um, and that's a that's a fair question. The, on the flip side of it is with the playoffs looming, you want to do as many playoff style rotations as possible to rehearse for that big game. In which case, I think I've seen enough of the Maxi Harris bench units. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're obviously a lot better than the Tobias Dwight Howard, Tobias and all bench lineups that we oh, talked God. about this time last year. And we were wondering, like, Okay, I mean, they do have some plus minuses, but I think you and I just never believed in it. We talked about it a lot beginning in April. Right. That there's just, they're not going to be able to score. They're not going to be able to get stops. And I'm starting to feel that way about the Maxi Harris bench units at this point. So I do, I'm, I, I am okay with them having gone away from it. So the question is when, when Harden is out there without Joel Embiid, who do you want with him? They tend to do Danny Green and George Niang. I like that a lot because you've got the, the spacing that Harden thrives upon. He loves that. Then do you do one of Maxi or one of Harris? That's a question mark. For me right now, I think that's Maxi because he plays so much more dynamically when jo- Joel Embiid's off the floor. I think then, that's a good I think that's a good wrinkle. Uh, I, I think I would prefer Harden and Maxi with Mm, I, I guess DeAndre Jordan, sadly, because that's See, that brings us to the fifth guy, and, and it's clearly not Jordan. But that's clearly what they're going to do, which is at this point no longer just Doc Rivers' issue. That's you know, how come you know the front office knew this might be an issue, and they're sort of content to let it play out. Like how how much differently would it be if it was Willie Cauley Stein? Like I I still don't understand why they didn't give him a legitimate shot, or not really giving Charles Bassey or Paul Reed a shot. And I'm just like, doc, Jesus, these guys are right there. Just play them. Anybody would be better than what you're getting from DeAndre Jordan at this point. I feel like that is a fact. I I suppose doc, if he were to ever bother to defend himself would say, but you're basing this on the unknowns that those guys present. They're not unknown to me. I watched them in practice and I watched them in the G league. So I know more than you. And I would come back and I'd say, Doc, I have eyeballs, okay? I can see when DeAndre Jordan is out on the floor, he has been a net negative more times than he's been a net positive. Do something else, Doc, please. I'm begging you. Yeah, when when your status quo is, you know, almost definitely awful. Hence why I'm not in press conferences anymore, because I just lose my, I just lose my mind every time. Would you would you ask a deal that question? Because <laughs> you not earned that. <laughs> huh? No, no, no. Oh, God forbid they let me in some of these Zoom press conferences. Like I would be on, I would be on TV so often just because of the 
flamethrowers, I would be shooting at Doc all the time. Doc would Doc would have to quickly ask you if you've ever played pro ball to put you in your place. Eh, that, that's fine. You can do that if you want to. You can have that take if you like, Doc. That that's fine. But uh, yeah, when when was your when was your last title? And uh, you you got you you blew a three one lead. How many years ago? Like two years ago. Uh, so, so clearly something that you've been doing in the last 10 plus years of coaching um, that that's kind of going by the wayside, hasn't it? <laughs> Doc's defenders among Sixers fans point to everything that's happened since he got to the Sixers. Sure. And so, so many of those defenses and arguments would get, you know, poked holes in by Clippers fans who say, well, that's not like a Dwight Howard thing. That's not a Deandre Jordan thing. This, this is stuff we saw. For years, I mean, we lost the series with peak Chris Paul, peak Blake Griffin, oh peak DeAndre, and peak JJ Redick. Oh to my a god! Team, <laughs> team coached by, you know, oh man. So yeah. All right let's let, let's take a little quick breather and then we'll expand more on this on on Doc Rivers. But we'll take a little break. It's the Out of Sight Podcast and the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Back in a second. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Is once again, the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Before the break, Dave, my guest and I, we started talking about Doc Rivers and let's just get more into this. Uh, you, you hear this phrase a lot, and you always hear it around this time of year with playoff time and depending on like what teams and what coaches and whatnot, but it's always a fun one to ask. Is, is Doc coaching for his job? <laughs> Probably not, right? No? Uh, yeah, I would think not. Okay. Um, Make the case. The case would be... They're just getting Brett Brown off the books. They're facing, they're facing luxury tax nightmares. Oh, God, I forgot about that. He will have a baked-in excuse in that he didn't have Ben Simmons for most of the year, and then James Harden wasn't healthy. Come on. Ben Simmons really – that uh, again, <laughs> again, Adil Royster from Liberty Ballers, I have, I have a question for you, Doc. Ben, really, you're you're using Ben Simmons as an excuse right now, despite the fact that Joel Embiid had an MVP year. That's the excuse you're giving me, Doc. Really? Okay. All right. Well, Doc, Doc made he sort of you know moved the goalposts and said like 
the team that I inherited had been swept in the first round. I am when so combative. About, Jesus. When he was talking about his Clippers days, rather than talk about the, you know, what a lot of fans felt was a failing of never making a final four, he talked about putting LA on the map. So he, you know, he's not opposed to moving those goalposts and saying, we didn't have, we have, we had one all star, we we're missing two, $30 million not used for more than half the year. And then James Harden, we had to acclimate a very unique, you know, often ISO heavy player. And okay. I, that makes healthy. sense. Um, I, and it'll be this... very, 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 very expensive to pay Doc Rivers, your new head coach, and James Harden's $270 million. Con- That's why I think he's going to be here next year. This is the case that I would make for Doc, d- despite the fact that I've been all combative to the contrary up until this point. Um, when you have to integrate somebody like James Harden into a lineup like this one, it's going to take some time to gel. And yes, that excuse I will give him because it's the same excuse that I gave Brett Brown for all those seasons. Like every year, twice a year sometimes, things would be different. It would be different players. Players are injured for elongated periods of time. There's just no backup. The front office is not building the bench correctly or anything like that. Like, So I will give Doc that. I will give him that. I will concede that. Yeah, I mean, I had more faith in, you know, late career Brett Brown than I do right now in current Doc Rivers. I mean, when Joel Embiid was out of the lineup, when Boban was hurt too, Brett had a choice between Amir Johnson and Jonah Bolden, and he he tried Bolden, you know. It, it wasn't he tried great. Bolden. <laughs> it wasn't great, but to his credit, he knew I need a stretch five to ultimately unlock Ben Simmons. I'm at least going to try. You look at this lineup and you think Doc Rivers would try Amir Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much to much to Kevin Rice's uh, chagrin because he's he's still the biggest Jonah Bolden stand ever, I think. Shout out to Kevin Rice. Um, if he's seemingly outcoached again by Spo or Buds, etc., does that make the decision any easier or harder? Like, despite the luxury tax, despite the, despite all of the new integration and pieces, like, would it still be kind of easy to bring him back if he's out coached by either Spo or Buds or God, even Ime Udoka, if that matchup happened? I think because of the money and because of his name and pedigree, the, the status quo right now is that he's going to be here. It okay. would just be so expensive to to make a change. I mean, come so on, that, I got we can we can start a GoFundMe on Liberty Ballers. I got twenty on that. That's fine. But that's the thing. If there were tremendous fan pressure, which would to me would probably necessitate a first round exit, because I think you right now you can be very confident that if they lose a series, they were out coached in that series when they're facing you know Eric Spolstra, but Mike Budenholzer. Maybe even Udoka. I think they're going to get outcoached. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be worth, you know, if they were to face the, the Raptors in the first round, I think Nick Nurse would. Oh, make God, them, I forgot about Nick Nurse. Jesus. He would really, really highlight the disadvantage that the Sixers have in terms of coaching in a series like that, where you you know that you have the talent disparity, um, but but yet this every game is coming down to the wire or you lost game one because of some 
exotic zone. You know, you, you would have to admit that you were outcoached. The best you could do is make excuses that Harden is a unique player. How could you bring in a guy who always likes the ball and always likes to shoot when Joel Embiid is the dynamic force and MVP candidate that he is? That's correct. Um, so there would be so many reasons to give Doc a pass and another shot, but maybe he would open the year on thin ice. Who knows? And I think this is something that needs to be pointed out to the fire Doc people right now. And I think it's, you have to be really careful. I get it. If Doc wastes another season of MB's prime, fine. I get it. I understand that frustration, the upsetness, the discouragement. I get all of that. My answer would be, my question would be this. Who is out there this offseason? Because I can't think of one name right now where I'm just like, okay, bring him in. Let's give, or her, bring him or her in and let's give that person a shot. Like, I can't think of one I can't think of a coach that would come in and immediately make things better or at least different. I mean, well, I, Mike D'Antoni is not a head coach right now, and he's probably a top 20 coach of all time. So D'Antoni is the only name I can think of. All right. Well, you said you couldn't think of any. I'm giving you at least one. That's one. And to, to be fair, Dave, if you remember back when they hired Doc Rivers, I was very high on D'Antoni as a coach for the team. I was yeah, we were, extremely we were high. Mike and Ty Lue. Yes, we were. And we missed out on Ty Lue and we missed out on uh, Udoka, didn't promote from within. And then you look at uh, maybe the timing isn't a thousand percent correct, but Monty Williams, Jesus. Yeah, we, we would have preferred all of those at the time. God. C- certainly Lou. I mean, I was sold on Lou. And I think he's only proven how good of a coach he is, despite the uh, the little. I did not like what he had to say about Joel Embiid. I know he was sort of taken out of context on the free throw issue, but I didn't like that. And I liked even less taking the snipe at Daryl Morey for uh, for his, you know, freedom for Hong Kong. Tweet. Right. I, I mean, that that's something that, you know, you just have a beer summit and you just work that out. If You know, if you don't want to go on record as saying, I don't like where all of the NBA revenues comes from. You have the right to be quiet. Chris Paul was quiet, and I respect him for that. But you don't have to also poke the one or two people who spoke out because yeah. I respect them for doing it. <laughs> D'Antoni, I, I think, is the only name that like I would be okay if the Sixers were like, you know what, screw it. We'll, we'll pay all the money. We'll pay Doc. We'll pay James. We'll pay whatever's left on breast contract, and we'll pay D'Antoni. Like, we we got to do something. Uh, Harden is somebody that's dynamic, and I we feel like D'Antoni can unlock certain elements of Embiid's game that he had never even thought of. So, D'Antoni, I'm in on. But if they lose in the first round, um, and they keep Doc, you will look very, very closely at what assistance they add or don't add. Because if they don't add anyone, then you'd start to look very closely at Dave, Dave Yeager as the in-season replacement since he's got like six years of experience. And I, I how, how would you feel about that? Because I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not totally. I like Dave Yeager in Sacramento. I feel like he wasn't really given the tools that he needed to succeed. But in in Memphis, for for example, like. I liked I liked Jaeger. I liked Jaeger a lot. Like even before Brett Brown, I was thinking, oh man, 
can the Sixers maybe get Jaeger and we turn this thing? We have we have Simmons, we have Embiid. Can we turn in the can we turn this into Memphis East? Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think he's known as one of the best X's and O's coaches in the game. I think there's two knocks on him in that. Well, maybe one knock on him and that he didn't get along in both stints. Like there were people who were frustrated with him. If you heard that Daryl Morey was promoting him, I think you could grant the conditional variable that one, he was going to be on board with implementing more of what Daryl wanted to do in terms of in-game analytics, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe more experimentation. You know, Daryl is a guy who's hungry for sample data. He wants to see how a lineup of these four players looks. And he's not getting that with Doc. Doc doesn't try a lot of stuff. He likes to do it his way. And so if you're Maury and you're coming through cleaning the glass, you're like, oh, they've only played one possession together, that lineup I wanted to look at. I can't, uh, I can't give him a recommendation on that. Yeah, I want to I want to look at these Niang, Tobias, Matisse, uh, Harden, Maxi lineups. Let me see some of those. Exactly. So I think if you told me there was a change, I would be very confident that that coach is going to do a lot more collaboration with the front office within the game plans. And the other thing is, I think that they would resolve to improve upon whatever it was that cost them their last job for Jaeger. It would be his interpersonal relationship. So. I think he'd be on dot on page with Daryl, and I think he'd work hard to not upset his stars. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm on board with that. If the like you said, the Sixers lose in round one in humiliating fashion, like promoting from within, especially Jaeger, is not the worst idea in the world. No, it'd be pretty cheap too. You wouldn't have to go give him what Teron Lou got from the Clippers. You know, Steve Ballmer money. <laughs> well that's something that we're gonna have to be mindful of and keep uh an eye on as this playoff run gets underway uh dave always fun talking to you uh real quick i i don't know if you are watching we're talking about you know like different variations of offense and stuff like that are, are you watching winning time on on hbo have you started that yet I have not gotten around to it yet. No, it's it's extreme. It's very well done. I, if you're not on it, like I'm saying this to everybody, watching Jack McKinney and how the Showtime Lakers were developed, and seeing how modern basketball kind of traces back to the offense of the Showtime Lakers, it's a fantastic watch. Everybody should check it out. Is it kind of like watching Ben Simmons play with Redick, Marco Bellinelli, and Arsenio Lesova? No, it's not near. It's not nearly <laughs> that. It's not nearly that much fun. But it's still. It's done. It's done very well. Like it's. It's Adam McKay. So it's. It's all the like the Anchorman crew and all like that. So like it's. It's shot extremely well. Like they have like a total like '70s soul feel to it. Like even a lot of the the displays and the it looks like old school vhs in a lot of the scenes and it's it's freaking fantastic oh nice so if, if you have a minute check it out do you have any thoughts on this um joel mb quote about the mvp uh i'm i'm actually putting together a column on mb's mvp case and i'm thinking to myself okay joel there are certain things that you should say and there are certain things that you should not say, especially out loud. Yeah, he said uh, one he shouldn't say. Yeah, that was one of those things that you shouldn't say out loud. Big man. Read, if, if it doesn't happen, I don't know what I have to do. I'll, I'll feel they hate me. I feel like the standard for guys in Philly or for me is different than everyone else. That's what we're talking about. B- big man. 
big man, you don't have to say these things. That's why you have beat writers like us to say these things for you. We are here to take the shrapnel for you so that you don't have to. Okay. We, we will say there's the anti-Philly bias. We will say there's an anti-Philly bias and be proud to say it because it is something that we very much believe in, especially after the process. We will take these bullets for you. Don't be out here on the front lines like the Marines. Like you don't have to do that. It's fine. Hang back behind the shielding. It's okay. We're, we're, we get paid to do this for you, Joel. It's fine. That's all. That's all I ask. Barry Barry Bonds probably cost himself one or two MVPs because he was so mouthy with the baseball writers and the voters. Like, mm. don't don't Barry Bonds yourself, Joel. Just don't, please. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's something we're gonna have to pay attention to as well. And this this MVP race is close as as hell, and it's gonna be fun to see what happens like Jokic right now is the favorite can't really argue that the last month he's played it's kind of intense to seeing what he's doing and you know Giannis is always out there so it, it I, I hope he doesn't get the LeBron treatment it's just like oh well we we, we just have to give it to we just have to give it to Giannis like the, yeah I mean the whole, I'm for Embiid. I think all, Giannis is the, the best argument against Giannis is Giannis had Middleton and Holiday for so much of this year, and they're only a game or two better than the Sixers. Right. Well, um, it it'll be a fun vote. We'll we'll see how it shakes out. You know, uh, until then, Dave, uh, this is your time. Plug all of your all of your wares. Where can people find you? Hear you, etc. You can find me on Twitter at David Early, spelled like early morning. Um, <laughs> I'll be covering Sixers and Nets. So if you have questions about either shoot me a DM. They're open and uh, I'll throw it into an article or a podcast and address it. Always open DMs for Dave early. That goes for everybody. I I'm also, my, my DMs are also open, but like, just, just be careful. Just, I mean, you can happily get in my menchies, but the, the, the DMs, you know, that's, that's for people that need to come correct. And that's at a DOB Royster. Uh, Dave, always a pleasure talking to you. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Last four games of the regular season. Let's get this done. Let's get it done. Thank you.